Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 61. I'm Mike Natal. And I'm Dan Stenberg. We're your hosts, and today we're talking with Christian Anderson. Christian was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, where he came to faith, met his wife Mary, and pastored his first congregation, 59th Street, as their youth pastor. Christian and his wife then felt a call to go to seminary in Minnesota, where he would finish his degree with the hopes of planting a church one day. As he was in seminary, he pastored Living Faith Church in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, until he finished his degree. And after seminary, they felt a call to serve as the campus pastor for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church in Moorhead, Minnesota, where he served until feeling a call in 2020 to plant a church in Boston. Christian is currently serving Bethany LBC in East Hartland, Connecticut, as their executive pastor and preparing to plant in Boston in the following year. Christian and Mary love to travel, eat delicious food, entertain, and teach board games. But most of all, they love serving Jesus together. Hey, welcome in, Christian. We're happy to have you. You want to say hi to all of our listeners? How you doing, everybody? Good to be here. Good to see you guys. Nice. Yeah, it's great to have you, and uh, we're happy that we can really put the spotlight onto church planting, and we're happy that we can have you on, uh, and then hopefully... Potentially, there will be another episode coming later uh, with both you and Mary as our hosts. We'd love to get both of you uh, in together to kind of discuss what's going on and to get Mary's uh, opinion on how things are going. And so um, we got a couple questions for you that we want to ask. Some of them a little bit funny, some of them a little bit uh, serious. And we hope that by the end of it, our listeners and us will have a better understanding of uh, why you feel called to plant a church and also what are some of the ways that we can be praying for you as you plant that church but before we get to all of the like important stuff we do have the classic question that we would like to be asking each of our guests yeah and that is what was your favorite cartoon growing up yeah, you know, I've listened to some of the recent episodes, and I know Tailspin has been mentioned. Multiple times. Because uh, it's great. Numerous like, times. It's good. It's yeah, I mean, good, man. Blue and Kit are pretty legit. Dude, um, Kit Cow Clicker, man. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, not only was it probably my favorite show, I actually feel like I was educated at the same time, which Whoa. is Animaniacs. Bro, um, let's go. I'm pretty sure I learned countries of the world and states and capitals by by uh, by by Animaniacs. Yo, no so, doubt. Yeah. Baton yeah. yeah. Rouge, Louisiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Columbus yeah. is the capital of Ohio. Dude, I can do yeah. the whole thing. Uh, yeah. The only pitfall is, is if you were to ask me what the capital of a certain state is, I then have to immediately sing the entire sing the song. song to myself. Yeah. So you yeah. just pray that you don't ask me what the last song is. It, yeah, it's kind of like the alphabet song where you have to like do the whole thing yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah, I'm with you. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Animaniacs. That's the first one of those that we've had. Um, So right out of the gate, here's our first question. Growing up. I was a Yankee fan, and Christian, that was one of the first things that you and I shared together uh, when we first knew each other. And so for you, as an avid and vocal New York Yankee fan, how are you feeling about going to the land of the Boston Red Sox? You know, honestly, that's a question I've gotten asked a couple different times. You know, even living uh, the last seven years in Minnesota, you know, when people just say, how could you be a Yankees fan? And you just said, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like original sin, you know? It's because like, I don't have a heart. I was, I was born into it and I, I can't do anything about it. It just <laughs> is what it is, you know? In all honesty, I think one of the things I love um, about sports is the camaraderie that you can have through something that you're collectively watching and celebrating. And, you know, 
what makes something fun is when it's an actual rivalry, right? And so, you know, like, like we were, I was just at Camden Yards at a church planting uh, training. And when we were there, you know, it's like, you know, it's the Orioles, like, you know, it's not, that's not a real rivalry. Um, but the Red Sox and the Yankees, man, that's a rivalry. You know, when you think about mm-hmm. Jason Veritek and A-Rod going at it and, and Pedro, you know, throwing down, you know, the coaches by the helmet. And, and, you know, I, I think just even as a Yankees fan, I have a lot of mutual respect for the, for the great players that have been a part of the Red Sox. You know, if you go back in the day, like Teddy ball game of Teddy Will, Ted Williams, or, you know, for me growing up seeing, the the uh the rivalry with Pedro and Nomar Garcia Para and then Big Poppy coming in and so you know and then new guys like Mookie Betts even though I I, I seriously don't understand how they let him go uh <laughs> to the Dodgers um because that's what the Dodgers needed it was another another great player but um you know I I just think like that's what makes it exciting um I just came from Minnesota and you know Usually, if you look at sports movies, like the Minnesota Twins are like the team you're supposed to be rooting for. They're like the good guys, and the yeah. bad guys in every movie are the Yankees. And so, Evil Empire, you know, Evil Empire. Actually, that's the name of my fantasy baseball team is the Evil Empire. <laughs> um, and so, you know, in Minnesota, uh, you know, with with fans that were just so tired of seeing the you know the Yankees beat up on the Twins in the playoffs. Um, you know, we, we had a great time of being able to have fun with it. And, yeah. uh, it was a great way for me to like build relationships with other sports fans and things like that. But I would say too, you know, like I always try to find ways for me to root for, uh, the teams that are local. And so like as, uh, I'm a big sports fan in general. And so with, uh, with the NBA, um, I have just given up on the New York Knicks, uh, <laughs> You know, Dol- James Dolan uh, has just crushed my heart too many times. And so I like a couple of years ago, of course, that's when they started getting better and made the playoffs. <laughs> but um, it just said, I'm, I'm just done with the Knicks. And so, you know, I'm kind of in the open market for being able to root for any NBA team. And, you know, usually I can ro- root for a, for a college team as well. And so I could be a Celtics fan and maybe a Boston College fan, but probably not going to become a Pats or, or Red Sox fan. But those are the ways that I can build some good rivalries with, uh, with people. Nice. So did I just hear you say you could become a, a BC fan? I, so, you know, like, are you, are you trading in your blue and white to become a BC fan? Here's the thing. I know Mike has season tickets for Penn State, and I did just like hours ago say you should take me to a game. So, um, you know, listen, for the sake of the gospel, Mike, you know, sometimes we got to do got to do things like that. I'm not trading be in all my, things to all people. All I'm not things tra- to all people, man. I'm not trading in my blue and white, but I but I, you know, if 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 wearing an Eagles hat once in a while, you know, and 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 uh, rooting for Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, who was a BC grad, you know, I I could do that. I mean, I guess Galen would be very proud of you, but like I'm just hanging my head in shame, I suppose. You know, so Yeah. But sometimes that happens. Yeah, sometimes it's gotta happen. I totally understand that. And uh yeah. I I, I that's gonna take a little bit of time to digest and set in, but as, I understand. As 
as Mike's wounds like heal and he's 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 developing the the calluses he's going to need there to continue to have a good relationship with you, Christian. We're going to move on from like the the sports talk, which is fantastic and and I love it. But as we as we look at church planning, as we look at the call that that you have accepted and the direction that you're looking to go here, there there are other places places that would likely be more receptive to a church plant than Boston or a big city. Why are you passionate about planting in a city? Well, I think there's a couple of different answers um, to that question, but I, I guess I would first want to answer that question by saying, like, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I, I grew up my whole my whole life there. Um, I never owned a car until I was 31. Uh, I didn't own a snow shovel until I was 31. Um, and uh, so just in the last seven years, I went from having zero things with motors to now I have five things with motors, which is two cars, a motorcycle, a lawnmower and a snowblower. So, um, you know, I'm not really... I'm not really a fan of lawn care. Um, <laughs> because it's the worst. Yeah, I, cleaning gutters and mowing lawns is just it's just it's work. terrible. I'm just like, yeah. where's my landlord who takes care yeah. of this stuff? You know, like so. I guess you know, to answer that question, like why why my passion about planting in a city is I, I'm from a city. Um, I love the city. I love the heartbeat of a city. I love the diversity of a city. I, I grew up in, in an area that changed very dramatically in the time that I was a part of it. Only 10% of my, uh, my elementary school and, and high school were, were white, um, let alone Scandinavian, which is, which is my background. And so I, I lived in a community that was, um, just didn't always look like me. And, and I felt like that was a beautiful thing, um, to seeing just the diversity of, um, you know, uh, ideology of culture, of thought, of ethnicity, of experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt like I got to know the world better by living where I was and, and where many people would see crowds and crowded spaces. I saw, I saw energy. Um, I loved living in a city that never sleeps. I loved being around and, and pack places because it just, it gave me the energy that just, um, you know, something that was important to me. I, I would say my, my wife, Mary, um, she feels the same way. I mean, she moved, she grew up, she's a pastor's kid. So she was born in Wisconsin, but moved, uh, uh, moved to Long Island as her dad took a call to serve in Huntington Station, Long Island and, uh, spent her adolescence living in Long Island, going into the city quite a bit. Her, uh, her grandfather was born and raised in Manhattan in Washington Heights before he helped uh, see a church planted actually at the church I'm serving now is where her grandfather helped, uh, you know, really start um, this church. And he was a part of some of the really seeing this church grow. And so um, we have deep roots in the city on both sides of our family. Mary um, moved to Fergus Falls to finish out high school when her dad took a a job in the synodical offices of the Church of Lutheran Brethren working in home missions. Um, and he, you know, as somebody who was a part of church planting himself. And so Mary moved back to Manhattan, uh, went to uh, Barnard, which is part of Columbia University, and and then stayed in Manhattan uh, because she loved the city. And so that's something that's both been on our, our hearts. So I'd say first, you know, just the fact that we we're people who love cities and, and have spent a lot of our life living in cities. Um, the second part is, is that, you know, church plants should be happening wherever people are. 
bottom line. Um, we need church plants in rural areas. We need church plants in suburban areas and we need church plants in cities. Um, we have been commanded to fulfill the great commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. You know, the church of Lutheran brethren, um, which I have, I, I'm, I'm a CLB pastor. I, I do feel like the CLB has something to contribute the larger kingdom of God. And I want to be a part of that. Um, but the CLB has not had a huge foot in urban areas in the United States, um, especially in the last, you know, 75 years. Um, and so we need to be where people are and, um, and the people who are going to be a part of, um, of that mission are the ones that might be most suited to be there. And I think, um, Mary and I have always felt, um, in our hearts, um, in our marriage that, you know, church planting is probably something that we should be a part of in, in, and, um, and, and see happen and being open to that calling in our life and, and knowing that like, because we love, um, we love all areas. It's been fun to like, I live in a town of 2000 people right now and we're, we're doing life and we've loved it. We lived in Fergus Falls for three years and felt like that was a great time for us. And, um, and what that contributed, then we lived in Fargo Moorhead for, uh, for four years in a, in a small city of like a quarter million people in the greater Fargo Moorhead area. And, and now looking to be back in, in Boston. And, um, even though like our roots are in New York, that's one of the largest cities. So we've Mm -hmm. felt like we've been able to serve, um, anywhere and anywhere that God has called us. Um, but we also see that as God has kind of put this on our hearts, like it's lining up with a lot of where our passions are, you know, cities have changed, um, uh, the, the, the population in cities have changed quite a bit. Uh, Al Mohler, who was the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, he said in his speech a couple of years ago that I, I listened to, um, he said, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what's happened in the world in the last 300 years. 300 years ago, 3% of the population lived in urban areas. Compared to now, we're looking at closing in on 80% of people in the world living in urban areas. And so you've just seen a, a huge change in the population migration. And so um, we want to be, again, like I said before, we want to be where people are. You know, uh, Pew Research has also done a lot of stuff too. We're looking at younger people and younger leaders. Um, they they more often want to to live in cities where culture is forming. And so if we want to have a uh, have an influence on the young leaders of our country. Um, we need to have churches where those young people are. And so we want to be in cities. So, yeah, I, as I, I kind of think of that question, I think those are some of the reasons why we feel passionate about being in planting in a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say to go off of that too. So Christian's been called uh, by a partnership of sister churches in New England, Faith Chapel, which is the church that I currently pastor at, uh, Praise, and then Bethany, which is where Christian is currently serving alongside Roger Vixness. And as, as we got together and we were uh, spending time with each other as just five pastors hanging out uh, Roger brought up and he's like, you know, maybe we should do more than just hang out and just talk and like try to encourage each other. Like maybe God's going to use us and our churches to plant a new church in new England. And this was probably about four, yeah, four or five, oh man, maybe even longer than that. Uh, five years ago where we started to kind of vision cast 
And I've actually told this story before, but as we started talking and as we started, you know, uh, trying to figure out who should we talk to, who would be who would be a good fit for this? Uh, our initial person that we really felt led to was Christian. And as you read Daniel in your, um, in Christian's bio, he had just taken a call to triumph and we were like, well, you know, he's now pastor in a triumph. We don't know if, you know, he'd want to, uh, be a part of this given everything that's been going on. And, uh, we really were just like, you know what, if God wants to make it happen, he will make it happen. And so we just kind of sat on it for a little bit. And then we took a trip up to Boston. We did a prayer walk as our church, uh, as our three churches together. And it was pretty obvious to us that we were being called to plant a church in Boston. And so more than ever, we were like, oh, Christian is so the guy. Him and Mary, like the two of them together would just be a powerhouse in Boston. And uh, we reached out to Christian and uh, sure enough, he accepted the call. And now um, he's in kind of like a a little pre-launch right now at Bethany. Uh, And it's kind of amazing that it's worked out the way that it has. And I've learned a lot about church planting over the last five years in terms of success rate, in terms of support, in terms of how to um, properly help in ways. And yet Christian and I meet on a weekly basis and I feel like there's stuff that I overlook on a regular basis. So I appreciate the time that Christian and I have had together. Um, But the success rate with church plants aren't incredibly high. Unfortunately, we wish that we could say a hundred percent of church plants make churches and are still in existence, but the reality is it's not incredibly high. And so knowing that statistic, you're still willing to devote the time and the physical and emotional energy into church planting. And my question is why? Just to backtrack quickly for a second, you know, I've seen how so I came to Christ when I was 22 and I had experienced the church. I, um, I had gone to Tuscarora as a, as a child. I had, um, uh, my best friend, his dad was an elder at 59th street and, um, and was, a, a an image bearer of Christ to me in my life, um, at different points that was important. Um, and so, you know, I've seen how God, um, has used things in my life, even when I didn't know him, even though I didn't know he was my savior or my Lord, um, that he was preparing me for, for ministry and using, utilizing all of my experiences in my, in my life. And I saw how God is using those. I think too, like even other things that have happened, it's been interesting to look back and see, you know, when I applied for college, I only applied to college in two places, New York city and Boston. And for me, that was where I, I wanted to be in cities that, that were like that. I wanted to be in places where people wore their heart on their sleeve or, you know, um, where just so much of the energy and, um, yeah, and, and just the passion that I felt, uh, from those two cities. And, and that was the place I grew up and that's the place where God's calling me to plant a church. And so, you know, looking back and seeing that, it's just, you know, it's just seeing like, yeah, that God has written this part of our story well before we knew it. And, um, and just, I'm in awe of just the sovereignty of God. And when I look back at that, looking at the, the power that God has and, and, and creating those plans for us and, and providing those things and those, um, those ways to, for him to, um, to situate us for the, for those things that he's called us to. 
So, uh, you know, thinking about just the reality of the success rates and, and, and things like that, um, that they're not incredibly high. Why would we want to devote that kind of a time? Um, first and foremost, I want to see new people come to Christ. I want to see people who don't know Jesus come to know who Jesus is. And I, I'll be honest with you that probably the reason why that's so much on my heart is because I, I know exactly what it's like to live a life in darkness. I know exactly what it's like to, to live my life where I am my own hope and that uh, I am the one that has to provide and, and, and pave the way for myself. And um, just the, the crushing weight that that, that that is, that, that, that there is only hope in, in ourselves and living that way and, and, and living in that darkness and just knowing that there are other people who are in those same positions. And I, I want to tell them uh, about Jesus and what he has done for them and that our hope is not in ourselves, but it's in him and in, it's in his accomplished work on the cross that he has won victory over the grave. Um, that's the things that I, I want to tell people about. And so why church plant, you know, for, for, for one reason is church plants are the most successful in reaching new people. Mm-hmm. When you look at congregations and you think about the newer people that are a part of congregations, if um, in a church plant, 60 to 80 percent of uh, of their members of a of a new church um, are people who were not a part of a worshiping body previous to that. So mm-hmm. three or four out of five people um, that are a part of a church plant were not part of a worshiping body. While at the same time, in established churches, 80 to 90 percent of new people that come to established churches are from other churches. Hmm. That's a great place for established churches to be able to create homes for people that might be moving to different areas of the country that already know Jesus. And that's fantastic. But new, but church plants um, are often the places that are uh, the most effective to reaching the unreached. It's not a one or the other. It's it's us both doing the work of of the of the kingdom of God. Yeah. But yeah. um but working inside of that. So I mean that's where part of um my heart is is you know the reality is is that church plants have to be the most um uh the the most open to the needs of the unchurched simply because uh they don't have <laughs> a congregation to have to meet their needs. And so by just the sheer reality of a church plant, they have to be most apt to the understanding what the needs of the unchurched are to contextualize their ministry, uh, to, to best reach the un, unchurched and the unreached because they don't have a congregation that they are having to meet those needs of. And so, um, you know, when I think about that, to, to me, the success rates, um, are not necessarily a part of the equation. They're a part of knowing it and knowing the reality. And we, um, I'd love to answer in just a second, just what are some things that we're doing that hopefully uh, increase our success rate as we're entering into this. Um, but just what, what comes to, to the mind the most part is, is that we want to reach, um, new people. And that's why we, that's why we're going to church plant, you know, the CLB, um, has always gone to people who are hardest to reach. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. Ever since we began, um, we wanted to go to places that did not know the gospel. And and uh, Boston is one of those places that had, has had a, an initial rich history 
of the gospel uh, starting in Boston and working out to the larger New England area. Um, but it's pretty hard soil right now. And so we need people who are willing to go, who are willing to answer that call and to bring the gospel to a, to a city that desperately, that desperately needs it. You know, I think also thinking about the success rates, um, you know, we're trying to think through like, and, and I'm, I'm very happy for, um, cultivate being the partner organization that's really doing our sending. But mm-hmm. we as a collective have thought about like, what are some of those things that we can do ahead of time so that we can, um, be most successful in God, what God wants to do? Um, not that this, uh, creates a perfect equation or a recipe. Um, but I think the more things that we can eliminate that potentially could be, uh, pitfalls, um, the better off, the better we're going to situate ourselves to do effective ministry. Some of those, you know, are, is having a longer timeline. I think one of the things that I've listened to, um, for people who are planting churches, you know, they think about, oh, well, I got to be self-sustaining in three years from now. And maybe that was something that was, um, uh, successful or a, a, a strategy for denominations, uh, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, 80s, where they could pour in resources for three years, give you the three years, and then you need to be self-sustaining by year four. That that was potentially possible. And I think the CLB can see even success with that kind of a model during those, those decades. Mm-hmm. But that's no longer really a viable model. And so when I have listened to planters talk about needing to be self-sustaining by year three, they start to put the cart before the horse in so many of those different areas. And so one of the things that Cultivate talked to me about and that I have expressed um, along with my wife is just saying, like, how do we look at saying, like, let's make a 10 year plan. Like, let's look at mm-hmm. like we're this is this is our home this isn't just a, a mission field. This is our home that we're going to live. Mm-hmm. We're going to create life. We're going to create our history and our family. And um, so just having a longer, uh, longer timeline when we think about just the success of that mission. And we, uh, uh, we heard that even echoed in. So we, I just did a podcast with Dave and Sonia Narvison. And Dave was talking about one of the struggles being feeling like he had to get everything done within a certain time frame. And then talking to the other uh, chatty and missionaries there. And they're like, dude, we got a 20-year plan. Like, slow down. You can't necessarily do this as fast as you're trying to get this done. And so seeing how, yeah, and that's, that's true. I mean, you're living with the people. You're getting into their lives. You're doing this. And that doesn't happen overnight. And so recognizing that, that's that's a great way of moving forward, not only for our international missions, but also for our home missions, recognizing that those who are planting churches, it's okay to take a bit more time and to have a longer time frame than three years. Three years is like nothing, like that's a blip. And we recognize that in, in, in some areas, and we need to be able to recognize that in all of our different contexts, that this isn't just something that, that we see overseas, that it is possible and necessary to get into the cultures here in America too. So I would say, you know, looking at a, a longer timeline, that's actually something that like Pat Pastor Eric Sorensen and I have talked about, you know, and and um, and just working together, and and me hearing about just the successes of Epiphany of bringing people to Christ, but thinking also just about like, you know, how can we look at a longer timeline um, for us to to have a more of an established church and and mm-hmm. stretching that out is something that that um, he gave the advice of going, you know, that's really going to create a, a more successful way for you to, to plant. And so I've really appreciated advice from him on stuff like that. Uh, also just thinking about like just the, the, the resources that it takes to plant, um, it takes to plant anywhere, but especially planting in a city, just having some, having some of those things, um, carved out, uh, in a longer, 
longer timeline as well. Um, a question that was on my wife and, and my heart, which is like, you know, making sure that there are systems in place for the health of the church planter and his wife and his team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like Cultivates talked about going like, hey, how can we like take you guys out for dinner periodically? How can you guys come here and, and get a weekend off? Or one of us can come in and, and you know, mainly like, you know, do the house church for you and, and just, or how could we be praying for you and our churches and, and creating, um, some teams that I'm going to talk about later, but, um, just creating teams that are going to be supportive of this and intercede on our behalf. Like that's going to increase our ability to have success. And then I think lastly is just, uh, building a, a core team of people who are going to be with us. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that we're not going there alone. Actually, I've listened to some of our international missionaries and, and Dan Venberg and, and just them talking a little bit about even international missionaries, just like our North American missionaries, like the success goes up when we're going out um, two by two versus right. going out solo. And so thinking about biblical like, model, what yeah. do you know? It works, right? I know it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just thinking about just like, who are those people who are going to be, moving and, and, and living life with us shoulder to shoulder, um, in the city of Boston. So I think those are things that we're thinking about that, that, um, don't necessarily create a perfect recipe or an equation. Um, but they, they eliminate some of the pitfalls that could get in our way. Um, and I think that's what this year is, is really about is us, Mm -hmm. um, being able to eliminate, uh, some of those things that, that could, um, distract us or, or get in the way, um, to the best of our ability and, and allow God to, to do what he is uh, going to do through us. That's awesome, man. And it's, it's great to hear that and, and to be able to hear the plan going forward. Obviously that's, it's not easy. Church planning is not a, not a simple thing, uh, but it's good to, to know how to pray and also to, to like, just look at how you're approaching the, the difficulties head on. And I mean, thinking of difficulties, you also think of the encouraging things that, that go along with church planting. What have you found most encouraging in this church planting process? I, I'd say that the first and foremost thing that's been, encouraging is being a part of cultivate new england yeah you better um, say that now you get <laughs> now i give you 20 bucks next time that i see you nice job I, actually i'm just trying to make sure that i still get to go to a penn state game next year so uh, <laughs> uh, but you know no um but in all seriousness like one of the things that i talked to cultivate about was coming here for this kind of year where i get to um, do some organizational leadership and executive work for Bethany in particular, um, uh, being able to build partnerships with all three churches um, mm-hmm. and for them to be thinking that they're not sending a mercenary or just a missionary, but they're sending a friend um, and they're mm-hmm. sending somebody who they care about and, uh, and, and that Mary and I care about them and um, a mutual spurring on um, when it comes to mission work. That's like one of the things that like when I've come there, I've I've wanted to hopefully at the same time of, of not only telling people about what we're doing and for them to encourage Mary and I, but at the same time, like for me to encourage them in their gospel work, like in their mm-hmm. local ministry and, and like how do they think about mapping out their mission field and being on on mission where they are in their workplace or in their neighborhood or or wherever they are. And so just that mutual encouragement. I'm once a, um, once a month, I am outside of Bethany. I'm either in the city of Boston or I'm at, uh, Praise, uh, Christian Fellowship in, in Barkhamsted or I'm at, uh, at Faith in Cranston. 
And just being there for the weekend, being there for Sunday, being able to preach and proclaim the word, um, but also just building those relationships and and finding those other opportunities for us to be together. So that's been a huge encouragement, um, just hearing those people in our corner and that are reaching out and praying for us and and just getting to know us. That's That's been a big thing. Um, this sounds kind of funny, but another thing that's been most encouraging is being clueless. <laughs> uh, like, it, I know it sounds funny, but it's true. Um, when I find myself uh, without the ability to rely on my own expertise or rely on my own knowledge or rely on my own experience, what it does is it, it drives me to my knees. And um, being on my knees in reliance to God is a good place to be. And so um, being in a place like that is encouraging because it means that I, I, I know that I'm reliant on God um, to do what he's doing forward. I, I also think um, just about just some of the initial conversations I've been having with people um, has been encouraging to me of people who are, are open to signing on to being a part of our core team. Mm-hmm. Or people who are willing to pray about it, some that are in the city of Boston, some that are maybe a part of our partner churches and people and some people who live actually ar- around our country um, who are considering maybe being a part of that mission. That's been really awesome. um, encouraging to me. And then lastly, um, that my wife is as excited as I am to be a part of this mission, mm-hmm. um, that we both feel the call, um, that we both are making the plans that we're both having those conversations with people um, and and that we're shoulder to shoulder in this. That's been encouraging for, for me in a, in a huge way. And and I hope that other churches that are listening here that, that again, one of the, the biggest encouragements he has is a group of churches coming around the, the church planter, calling that church planter together. You know, I don't know where you're at, but but man, if you're thinking about about calling or planting a church, if you're thinking about doing something along that line, if God's been putting that on, on your heart, and a, man, a group of churches getting together and, and planting a church is fantastic, and it's such an encouragement for the planters. So if you're in that situation, man, I would encourage you to be praying about it and, and moving forward and just knowing that that's a, that's a great uh, situation for for a church planner to be in an encouraging situation and it's a so. it's a great form of camaraderie too you know as as yeah. being one of the churches that benefit from being part of cultivate new england and having christian uh as our missionary to boston we have benefited in the close-knitness of uh our other sister churches which has been tremendous right. and I, and i'll be honest and totally transparent that's something that has been lost at least in our three churches, that used to be huge. So our churches right. used to talk about how, oh, on on Sunday we used to get done, and then we would immediately leave, and uh, we would go join praise, or we would go and join Bethany, or people from Bethany would just randomly show up to to faith one day, um, you know. And I'm sure that they already know this, but like our our church faith. Bethany was instrumental in helping Faith get off the ground in the same way that both Bethany and Faith were instrumental in helping uh, praise as they began. And so mm-hmm. over the years, we've kind of gone in different directions in terms of camaraderie and fellowship. But now mm-hmm. with this church plant, 
it's coming back. Like we're, we're having fellowship together. We're doing stuff together. The prayer walks, um, some worship services that we've done together as a, as a joint Mm -hmm. congregation has been just incredibly beneficial and encouraging for our churches as well. Um, so Christian, what do you feel is the most daunting in this church planting process? Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) 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 I mean, oh, there's (laughs) that's not getting Uh, edited. So yeah, yeah, I like it. But you know, I I think like I I know how to talk to people. Um, One as a youth pastor in in Brooklyn, um, I had at that time one church kid, and I think at our height we had. 70 or 80 kids who are involved in our youth ministry program. So, you know, 69 to 79 of them were not from the church and one of them was. Um, so I, I'm not necessarily daunted by um, getting to know people who don't know Jesus and are kind of living life within the world. Um, like I'm the only Christian in my family. So, you know, those conversations and, and that kind of stuff is not necessarily daunting. So I, I know how to do that. I, I know how to preach. I know how to preach. Um, I know how to read a, a commentary. Um, I know a lot about even just the need for church planting. Um, but as of right now, I, I don't know too much about planting a church. And mm. so I'm thankful that I have a year um, where I can do some of that, pl- that, that training and, um, you know, getting a coach to start to give me um, some of that coaching that's from Boston um, who's been doing ministry there. Um, so that's, we're looking to get that set up here pretty soon. And, and then looking for more opportunities for myself and, and my wife and, and even maybe even some of our core team members to be a part of like some, some training so that we're prepared to do uh, some of that work together. So I think part of it is just like, you know, complete unknown and, um, the reality of that, um, although it's exciting to think about like the opportunity for for gospel work in Boston, it's also daunting to think about. You know, New England is one of the most dechurched areas, not only in our country but really in our our world. Um, hmm. All six New England states are in the top ten of most uh, post-Christian or least religious states in the United States. So, out of the ten, six of them are New England states. Man. Um, so, um, that's just the reality of doing ministry here in the new England area. Um, you know, many people that have done work there in the city of Boston have said there's probably about 3% of the population has started an authentic, um, presentation of the gospel. And wow. so just thinking about the, the reality of, of the hard soil, you know, Massachusetts, according to like world population review is talked about as the least religious state, um, right next to New Hampshire and so, um, you know, just thinking about, yeah, just the, the receptivity, um, is definitely different in a, in a place like Boston than it is in, in many, maybe other areas, um, of our, of our country. And so that, that is daunting. I think also, um, you know, typically, um, in church planting and they have a larger core team, um, than, than probably what, um, but, but then what Mary and I might have. 
Um, although God has the ability to change that and I'm very open for him changing that if he so desires. <laughs> and I mean, um, you know, the podcast goes out to a wide range of people. And so if there's an individual who's listening right now that may be interested in relocating and being a part of your core team, Hey, maybe this is one of those ways that you get introduced to them. It's true. It, I can offer you Jesus, nice. um, smoke, smoked meats. Nice. I, I I often smell like hickory smoke, um, and I love m- make my own homemade pizzas on my uni, and so I can feed you. Not as good um, as me, but he's working on it. Listen, you know, just saying. Uh, I'm I'm getting I'm getting up there. I'm coming for you, Natal. You, you bring know? it. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so just having a, a smaller core team maybe to begin with um, might feel daunting. But again, like as I said before, like some of those other things that are potential pitfalls, like having a longer timeline definitely um, help uh, uh, squelch a little bit maybe of some of those feelings of feeling overwhelmed. As you continue to move forward in this process of of planting in Boston, how would you like the CLBA, those listening, those part of our churches, how would you like us to be praying for you as you continue on this crazy journey? Well, like you just said, maybe, maybe you're listening to this right now and you're thinking about like, I'm not really sure what God might be doing in my life. And, and I'm maybe looking for a bigger purpose and a mission that I could really be a part of that is something that's exciting. That's beyond myself. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me. I'd love to, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Um, whether that's about joining what we're going to be doing in Boston or helping you be more on fire for where God has you right now. So mm-hmm. that'd be one, one way. Um, I think, you know, praying for, those initial people who are going to be part of that core team, that'd be a great way for the church to be praying uh, mm-hmm. for us. Um, also, just be praying for um, the people who are going to be part of our two support teams, um, one being our prayer team and the other one being our, our financial support team. Um, mm-hmm. So just praying for the, the people to be a part of those things. So we have people who are interceding um, on our behalf and basking us in prayer. Actually, just had a conversation with somebody who is um, from the Midwest who's thinking about coming and, awesome. and we're out in the Midwest and we actually met up with them and to talk about this potential and, and for them to pray about it. And I asked them, I said, you know, would, would you guys be open for me to share your names with just my, with Cultivate so that I could ask them to start to pray? And they said that that would be okay. Um, and so I did that. And so this last week, they called up and just said, you know, I know you asked us for people to pray. And uh, I could tell they were because um, we're interested in and in maybe coming up and actually mm-hmm. scouting out an area with you and coming up, you know, maybe at the end of the summer. And so awesome. just seeing uh, the power of prayer and um, that could be a, just a huge way for and, and the narrowing of that prayer over those three areas of, of our core team of of um, being a part of our consistent prayer team and, and maybe our financial support team. So I think those are the areas. I, I don't know if you know how to reach me. Um, you can reach me at christian.anderson at gmail. Um, I'm also right now, since we haven't picked our target area or the name of our, our church plant yet. And so when those things are, some of my ways of communication to, to the church plant would be different. But right now, you could reach us at um, cultivatenewengland.org or clba.org slash Boston or find us on social media at either Facebook or Instagram. 
are places that you can you can find Cultivate New England or myself individually. Sweet. Awesome. Man, you saved me from having to do that whole outro. I was going to add a whole bunch of that stuff in at the end, but you did great. So thanks, Christian. You were a tremendous guest. We appreciate having you on, and we look forward to the next time that you're on. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, man, I... I maybe feel that the Lord is calling me to go to Boston. Reach out. Totally reach out to either Christian. Reach out to me. um, Reach out to the people at Cultivate New England, um, which would be me or Christian. (laughs) So uh, any of those interfaces, you would get a hold of someone who could redirect you if you're feeling led that way. So. Thank you so much to our listeners for supporting our show today and for listening. Once again, if you want more information, you can go to cultivate new England, all one word.org. Uh, and that's where our website's at. Uh, we're also going to link a new video, uh, that just is getting released. Thanks to Micah. Uh, he did a great job putting it together and we look forward to being able to share it with you as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our show podcasts usually drop on Tuesdays. And so if you subscribe, you would get a notification when it drops And we would really appreciate it if you'd share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. We thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Adios! This has been an episode of the CLB Forge Podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.